Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 78, where in a moment we discuss capital gains tax. That's today's show topic. It's on the way, like I say, in just a moment. But please bear in mind, if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we have an enormous resource of free advice right here. And you can access it all simply through delving into our back catalogue of shows. Because in our programs today, we featured loads of stuff, mortgages, pensions, investing, life insurance, and lots more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. Last week, we looked at five ways to cut your mortgage payments with our special guest expert, Jess Kennywell from Accord Mortgages. Remember, we can drill down and focus on pretty much anything forensically. Find the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts, you'll get us there. Like I say, an enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out and follow the show. And then that way, you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellis. With me, as always, the star of our show, it's Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you? Good, thank you. Now, this is the thing with doing a finance show, Phil. There's so much to cover. Different types of insurance, different types of mortgage, different types of tax. And that's what we're on today. Now, from memory, we may have looked at this before, but I don't think we've devoted a show to it in quite some time, if at all. It's capital gains tax. And as with most things in our show, Phil, we might as well start with an explanation of what capital gains tax actually is. It's maybe came up just from time to time when we've been discussing like the tax treatment of certain things. But I thought it'd be good to do a, a show on it. I actually went on the government website earlier because I thought, right, that that probably be the best place to get a yeah, definition of what it is. But capital gains tax, it's a tax on the profit when you sell or dispose of something or an asset um, that's increased in value. It's a gain that you make that's taxed, not the amount that you receive for it. So to, to give you an example, if, if you bought a painting for £5,000 and later sold it for £25,000, this means that the gain that you made was 20,000 and not the actual 25,000 that you got for it. So um, that, that's what capital gains tax is and how it works. Also, when they say disposing of an asset, that also includes selling it. If you give it away as a gift or transfer it to someone else, that's another okay. kind of example of when CGT is, is payable. And I'll, I'll probably use the CGT quite a lot, which just stands okay. for capital gains tax. If you were to swap something for, for something else, you, you may be liable for CGT in that instance. And also getting compensation for something. So for example, if if an item was lost or destroyed and your insurance paid out, again, if it's gone up in value and, and it paid out that, then that would be another example of when CGT would be, be payable as well. Okay, I'm just listening to you there, and you're saying so. If you give something away, well, let's let's stick with your analogy of the painting. So, uh, you bought it for five; it's, it's worth twenty-five. So you'd be charged capital gains tax on twenty thousand pounds because that's that's the the gain that you've made. That's the profit you've made yeah. in terms of what it's worth. So even if you give that away, you don't actually sell it. If you give it away and yeah. you you don't make any money on it at all, you're still going to get taxed for £20,000. I, I remember another example of that. I, With the business that, that I own at Phil Anderson Financial Services, I gave away 5% of the business to Becky, who's our, our longest serving staff member here. 
and I had capital gains tax to pay on that. So I'd give it away for nothing. <laughs> and had to pay more. But, um, I, that's the way it works. So, yeah. so you've well, got capital gains tax due on, on that as well. If there's a lesson to be learned there, it's never give anything away. Always get a sale. I know, right. and not only that, but I, I've also <laughs> got charged. I, I think my accountant at the time charged me about a thousand pounds for all for the doing that involved as well. And I'm thinking <laughs> I, I'm doing something good and, and yeah. generous, and it costs money. It doesn't need justice sometimes. So, what's the rate of tax that you pay on this then, Phil? I suppose, like most taxes, it'll be variable at certain amounts, is it? Yeah, usually the the rates are. 10% if you're a basic rate taxpayer and 20% if, if you're a higher rate taxpayer. This applies to things such as if you were selling shares and, and made a gain. Gains on residential property are taxed slightly differently. It's at 18% and 28%, so they're a bit higher. And that also depends on your other taxable income as well. And One thing that people should bear in mind is that any capital gain is added to your other sources of income. So what could happen there is if you made a big significant gain, if you were maybe, say, a basic rate taxpayer, but you made a, a real cracking amount of money on something, it could push you into the higher rate bracket. So instead of paying maybe 10% tax on, on certain things, that could push you into the, the 20% as well, depending on how much of a gain you've made. And the way that you're talking about it there, does that mean you get taxed twice on that? So let's say, again, we'll use your painting as an analogy. Let's say I, what's the higher rate of tax? Is it above 40K, something like that? Yeah, just yeah. over, over right. that. So, so let's say up until this point, I've made £38,000 in a year and I sell this painting and it gives me an extra 20, okay? Yeah. So it takes me up to 58. I'm going to get taxed on the actual painting, the capital gains tax, but am I then going to get taxed on, on my income as well because of that? So, so what would happen is you would pay 10% up to the gain that would be like in your, your basic rate. So, and then once the, the amount above the higher rate threshold, you've then got the 20% right. tax to pay. So that's how it, okay. it works there. Wow. Okay. Is it like other taxes as well, in so much as you'll have an allowance where below that level you don't have to pay any capital gains? There is. There's currently, everyone's got a capital gains tax allowance, which in the current tax year is £12,300. Now, that figure is due to stay the same in the next tax year, which starts soon. That's um, new tax year starts on the 6th of April. So you, you've got 12300 in this tax year, same in the, the next tax year. If, if someone's married, and I mean, it, you could own something in joint names. If, if that was the case, you've each got an allowance. So if an asset was owned in, in joint names, technically you could then go up to 24600 So you've got your 12300 each before you would have to pay CGT on, on anything. One, one thing to note as well is that you can't carry any unused allowance over to the next mm. year. So if, if you don't use your allowance in one year, it's going on, on the next. Right, okay. Now, just so I can get my head around this properly, Phil, can you give me a few examples of, of situations where capital gains tax is payable? Yeah, so thing, things would be like if, if you sell shares, that would be, be one instance where it would be payable. If you own land and, and sold that, I, I briefly touched on property can, can sometimes be 
something, um, not residential property, but property that's maybe like buy-to-lets, investments, things like we, we mentioned artwork. There's a thing there with artwork. It's got to be worth at least £6,000 before you have to pay capital gains tax on it. And certain investments, investment trusts, certain capital investment bonds, you get bonds that are, have got an element of life insurance attached to them as well. They tend to be ones that are, are subject to CGT as well. So quite a number of examples of when you would have that to pay. Okay. Are there any circumstances where capital gains tax isn't payable? There are. I mean, one of them is if, if you were to die, capital gains tax isn't payable on death. If you die at that point, if you've got a certain level of wealth, your estate may be subject to, to inheritance tax, but that all depends on, on the limits. But one good thing is that you don't have capital gains tax to pay on death. In most cases, you don't have capital gains tax to pay on your family home if you were to, to sell that. Other things that are exempt, money and ISAs, you don't have to, to pay CGT on that. Pensions. Other things are things like venture venture capital trusts and enterprise investment schemes and UK government guilts are another thing that you don't pay CGT on either as well. Okay. Now, not that I'm a a shifty so-and-so, Phil, um, (laughs) but how do the authorities know if I've made a gain on something, I mean, I, I can I can understand, for instance, some of the things that we're talking about would leave, you know, like a paper trail or uh, an electronic sale tag, if you like. But yeah. could I could I not just sneak away with some things and not tell anybody? It sounds like it's tough to enforce. Yeah, I mean, according to the, the Office for Budget Responsibility, the government collected $9.8 billion in CGT. That was in the 2019-20 tax year. That's the last one that we've actually got figures from and that actually works out to the equivalent of 340 pounds per household in the UK so it's a big earner for for the government capital gains tax I I remember one client that I dealt with they they actually thought all right we're not going to tell HMRC and they'll never know about it but they they had part surrendered an investment bond that they had and I think it was either with standard life or prudential I cannot remember which one it was with but what the providers do is they issue like a, a certificate to say you've made a gain of X amount. But unbeknown to him, they also send that to HMRC as well. So when he didn't wow. declare it on his tax return, they kind of picked up on that. Now, I know in that instance, he got a warning from them and told, look, if you do that again, you'll get a fine. And he had the tax to pay. As it turned out, I think he had a loss the following year. So a lot of the tax that he did pay, he ended up getting back but that's just an example sometimes people think oh, I'll get away with they telling them this but mm. they've got ways of finding things out and you usually to report a capital gain you would do it when you submit a tax return and I, I guess there is a bit of good faith on, on certain things I mean if you're buying and selling things like you say if there's a paper trail it would make it easier for HMRC to, to kind of query things but you, you've got a a duty when you do your tax returns, that's where you would notify the, the government or HMRC or that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, in, in my experience of sort of dealing with, you know, the, the mechanics of government, certain certain parts of it don't talk to other parts, but you can be that sure that there's a chance of them making money. They're in regular contact. Now, just recap this for me. Did you mention yes or no to paying capital gains tax on property, Phil? Well, if, if a property is your main residence or your main home, you don't generally have CGT to pay. You've got what's called private residence relief. So that, that's something that you've got there. So in most cases, 
if it's your main home and your main residence, you wouldn't have that to pay. If you've got a buy-to-let property, maybe a second home or an investment property, then any gain that you make on that is taxable. And as I mentioned earlier, the tax rates on property are actually higher as well. Instead of the 10 and 20%, you're getting hit at either 18 or 28%. So bigger tax charges there. For properties as well, for, for UK properties sold, I think in October last year, they took in a thing that you've actually to pay the tax owed on it on that gain within 60 days of the completion of the sale or disposal of the, the property. So they don't give you so long to actually get that tax bills paid. Whereas normally with CGT, you would fill in your tax return and that would be payable at a later kind of date. So mm. the, the government are keen to get in the receipts for that. And I, I suppose off property, the gains can sometimes be quite big and that saves people spending the money that they maybe need to pay to them in tax. But with, with things such as buy-to-lets, and one thing that you can do is deduct things like, if you were selling a property, the selling fees you can deduct from the, the gain as well, your, your buying oh, right. fees. That's handy, yeah. So, so things such as, if you maybe bought a property and had stamp duty, or in Scotland it's called land and buildings transaction tax, you might have, when, when you're selling, you might have to pay for a, a survey or home report costs. You've maybe got estate agent fees, solicitor's fees, all that sort of thing you can take into account. And also money that you've spent to improve the property as well. Um, so if you built an extension, that sort of cost can be deducted as well. What, one thing that is important to note is if you make a loss on a property investment, you can actually offset that losses against future capital gains for up to four years. So that's something that, that you've got there. And also, if, if you inherit a home, your starting point for CGT is the market value of the property when that person had died. So that's how, how that works there as well. So with, with property, a few different kind of anomalies almost there. But again, it's it's something that a lot of people maybe think, right, should I speak to an accountant or a tax expert? And some, some financial advisors be able to help out with things as well there. Yeah, that, that one where you said you get up to four years if you make a loss in that, that that's that is sort of an uh, you know an anomaly, an example where the capital gains tax aspect can yeah. be carried forward for those those few years. One of the things they used to do as well, that there was a bit of a quirk where if you had a, a main residence, once you'd actually let, let's say you had a house and then rented it out, they, they actually had a, a bit where it used to be that you could actually like not pay any CGT for up to three years after you'd left the house. So let's say you sold it five years after moving out for the first three years, they would take the value at that point. So that was something that used to be able to reduce CGT for people, but they, they did away with that. I think if someone is has maybe some sort of disability, they, they've maybe still got that. But again, that, that's where I would need to check up on, on that sort of thing. And that's where experts would more come into it as well. Okay. The, the thing with this is it does sound like there's, Probably a way in a lot of circumstances where this comes into play, where you can plan in advance with help to to make this at least as minimal damage as possible. In other words, end up paying as little as possible on something whilst remaining legal. I assume when it comes to that sort of thing, that's where a financial advisor would have experience and be able to advise. Yeah, that's it. I mean, financial advisors, they, they can help 
people with, with this sort of area, they, they can look at things like the timing of when to sell, transfer, or gift an asset. So that, that can be quite a valuable tool in trying to reduce or mitigate your, your CGT liability. Um, financial advisors can also help you look at the annual CGT allowance that you've got. So again, that, that's an area that, that a lot of financial advisors will help people with. They can also help you offset losses against gains, and they can also look at things such as transferring assets between married couples. So there, there's other things there as well. And that's it. They want to help you take steps to minimise your, your CGT liability and not just financial advisors. I mentioned as well, you've got accountants will often deal with, with capital gains tax and you've got a lot of tax specialists that will deal in that area as well. So there's plenty of help and support for people out there. Yeah, I'm thinking, and I'm, I'm going to flog this this painting analogy to death one more time. If <laughs> let's say I inherit it, uh, or I, I'm I'm given this painting, but I want to change ownership to it being not just mine but my wife's as well. If I do that, then it doubles up your allowance, and therefore I might I might get away with paying less capital gains tax. Yeah, than that's it. it. Yeah, especially if someone's married, you've got that. Like you, you can have assets and, and joint names, yeah. and you, you've got that twelve thousand three hundred allowance each. So if you then sold that paint and it made a £20,000 profit, yep. you wouldn't have any tax to pay if it was jointly owned there you at go, that you time. I've sussed that painting, Phil. That's what I'm <laughs> going to do with it. <laughs> okay, so to summarise in this one, if you think there's something in your life where you may be becoming liable to pay capital gains and something substantial, let's say, what are the takeaway points to keep foremost in mind? Yeah, I, I would say that if you're unsure, seek out advice of a professional. And like I say, that could be a tax expert, a financial advisor, it's good for people to know about the circumstances of when they would have capital gains tax to pay. So I, I thought it'd be just a, a good episode to, to go through, touch on some of the, the points. But as we've kind of mentioned, it can be quite technical and, and complicated at times. But th there are people out there that can help. And even HMRC themselves, I mean, I, I've had questions for them where I've contacted them directly and, and said, well, look, what about this? What about that? And at the minute, it sometimes takes a wee bit longer to get through to them if you're phoning them up. But when you do get someone, they are really helpful as well, usually. Okay. Now, here we go, Phil. As we enter into the, the part of the show where you share your own life story, what have you got regarding this one on capital gains tax? Yeah, CGT is something I've, I've had to pay myself in the past. And last year, I sold a commercial property that I owned, and I, I made over the, the 12300 amount there so I had some tax to, to pay on that fortunately by the time I took off the expenses it wasn't a huge gain but I know what it's like myself and that, that was one of the reasons I sold that property I thought right I'll kind of almost like crystallise the, the gain now and if I'd held the property longer yeah they, if it had gone up in value but I just thought right I can use that money for, for other things that I was working on at the time but so that, that was just a wee bit of planning that I kind of did for, for myself and Phil, we always do this bit as well. You find inspiration through various people you admire and you do love a quote. Have you got one that fits our subject matter for this episode on capital gains tax? This one's from the former Republican Party nominee for the president in, in the USA, Mitt Romney. His, his quote, I believe the tax on capital gains should be zero. <laughs> well, I mean, quite a popular policy. Yeah. I imagine with some... <laughs> How did he not get elected? <laughs> I know. The only thing with that, it's like, I always think, yeah, I mean, so different people have got different ideas on, on taxes and, and what things should be. But if someone's paying zero tax on, on things, it's like, how 
does the uh, how does the economy work? I know that's it. <laughs> yeah, he was he was uh, he was up for the Republican nomination against uh, Donald Trump, and they picked Donald Trump because he didn't want to pay tax on anything, <laughs> no, at all, at any point. Now, Phil is uh, really keen on trying to help you with your financial queries. If you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask them anonymously if you wish. Let's get on to this week's contact details coming up in just a moment. I'll give it to you after these. Here's our first question. Hi, Phil. My dad died recently. It was quite unexpected. We're kicking ourselves now as a family, but we're not sure where he kept all his important documents and really just want to put his affairs in order. Is there some way we can investigate to find out what sort of policies, savings, investments he may have had so we can take everything into account in the event of not finding any physical record of it in his belongings? Yeah, there's probably a couple of places that you can go to, to try and help. I'll, I'll come to them in just a, a moment. But one thing I've mentioned several times on, on previous shows is we've got that document called What I Own and Where It's Kept. And it's, it's so important for people to be able to find out what somebody has and, and how they can track things down after someone's passed away. But one place that, that people can look is you, you've got the Pension Tracing Service. That, that's a free service. If you're looking online for that, just make sure that you're going on the official government one because there are a few websites out there trying to say that they help folk with, with pension tracing, but they're not the actual official pension pension tracing service. Another one that you can try as well, it's www.mylostaccount.org.uk. Now, the My Lost Account Service, it'll search for lost accounts savings from banks, building societies, also looks at national savings and investments as well. And it's a service that's a joint venture by the the British Bankers Association, the Building Societies Association and National Savings and Investments. Now, it can take a few months for them to to search all the different companies, but that's quite a good website for, for trying there. So you've got things like the Pension Tracing Service and that one, mylostaccount.org.uk. Okay, next one is from Amanda in Birmingham. Amanda asks, hi, Phil. I heard a show recently where you were talking about home insurance. We recently got an extension built, but we haven't changed anything about our insurance details. Do I have to have the house revalued by a surveyor, or is there anything special that I need to do regarding this? You definitely want to speak to your insurer, and they'll be able to keep you right with things. They will likely ask about the costs of how much it was to, to build the extension, they're not really so worried about what the actual value is going to be afterwards. They're looking at more of what's called the rebuilding cost. So how much it would be to rebuild your house, assuming it was maybe burnt down or had to build it again from scratch. So it's probably unlikely that they would need to get a surveyor in, but they, they would want to know about maybe if, if it added an extra bedroom. Some, some policies will cover almost like a, a blanket amount. And if that's the case, it might all be be fine, but definitely good just to, to speak to your insurer and kind of run things past them. Okay. I would just say as well, before you get in touch with a question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered, well, a fair few topics so far. We might have touched on what you're interested in. I'm Joe Ellis. Thank you for joining us for the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or on the Facebook page for the show. Search Personal Finance with Phil Anderson. That's Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Facebook. 
Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn as well. Or you can email Phil a question that he can answer on a future show. His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question and Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. And please be assured we won't use your real name if that is what you'd prefer. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us. And please follow us on Apple or whatever you get your podcasts. That way you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.